Welcome to The Sad Bastard. I'm your host, Dave Tarnowski. This show is going to be a place where I'll respond to submissions I receive from followers on my Instagram accounts. We cave in the bad memes and sad peaks. Silly meme pages that deal with the serious subject of mental health and attempt to shine a brighter light on very universal topics that simply do not receive enough attention in open forums. I do Q&As almost every day in the stories where I ask people to tell me what's on their minds and respond with my advice based on my life experience, things I've learned along the way during my 42 years as a person. Everything you will hear me say is based on that and things I've read which have helped me better understand myself and my own mental health. I am not a therapist. I encourage everybody who feels the need to go seek help. They are there to help. I'm just a guy on the internet who has a passion for helping people feel seen. From the very beginning, I had wanted the first episode to focus on mental health, specifically my mental health, because I've found through telling stories about myself, I have helped people understand themselves. That's one of the simplest things that anybody can do, is listen and share an open heart and as much compassion as possible. So today I'm starting with Juno's question, which I received this morning. She writes, would you be willing to talk more about your bipolar disorder? I was diagnosed as bipolar back in April and began treatment and literally been one of the best decisions I've ever made. My journey through life has been marked by many symptoms of bipolar disorder, what they used to refer to as manic depression, which is a much clearer term, yet not at all accurate or all-encompassing. I've suffered from depression for as far back as I can remember quite often getting trapped in weeks-long depressions that feel like they won't ever end. Like a black hole in my soul, depression robs me of any joy and the energy to do almost anything that would normally give me joy. And mixed with depression can often be its ugly twin, anxiety. One of my favorite of the memes I've made uses a photo of Robert Smith of The Cure and David Bowie. They are in the middle of a conversation, and Robert looks quite sad. Shocking, I know. And Bowie almost looks as if he's chastising Robert for something. Now, the way I work with memes is often, the things I write have nothing to do with the subjects. The people in the photos are merely stand-ins, vehicles for a message that I intend to convey. Over Robert, I wrote, quote, me in a deep depression, unable to do anything, unquote. And over David Bowie, quote, 
anxiety telling me if I don't do anything, I'm a piece of shit, unquote. It's this sort of thing bipolar does to me, the two poles constantly trying to tear me apart. If I have something I know I need to do, like this podcast, for instance, and depression has me unable to do much other than stay in bed, say, my anxiety will torment me to no end. Or the flip side happens. I'm in my manic phase, which is pretty much my baseline. This feeling of my nervous system trying to escape my body and run away somehow, who knows where, anywhere but here. Depression and anxiety both make me want to jump out the window, just for very different reasons and equally as awful. But bipolar disorder isn't just depression and anxiety alone. It's the behaviors that are directly related to them. And it was quite the eye-opening experience for me when I started reading about this. This thing I've been struggling with, like, most of my life. And I, I try to think back. When I was a little kid, when I was in single digits, did I have this then? I understand that childhood trauma plays a lot into who we become as adults. I do not claim to be any sort of expert on anything other than myself, and even that, I'm still learning. I'm sure I'll be learning about myself until I'm dead. One of the things that I've found directly tied to bipolar disorder is addiction. I've been an addict from when I was a kid, particularly a substance abuser, starting with coffee and single digits. I mean, yeah, literally, I was having coffee when I was like eight years old. And then when I was 14, I started smoking cigarettes, um, which... because I had always felt like there was a darkness over me. They made me feel something else. They made me feel vibrant in a way. Um, excited. Um, relaxed. <laughs> and, you know, people are always like, what does a 14-year-old have in their life that they need to relax from? What kind of stress do they have? What's the stress and the horrors of just being a human being? One of my favorite shows, Russian Doll. Um, Natasha Leone, one of the writers, but also the main character. Her character says, being a person is a fucking nightmare. I will always think about that line. And I will always think, how long has being a person been a nightmare for me? How far back does that shit go? And then a year after I started smoking cigarettes, I started smoking weed, which, oof, <laughs> what a fucking revelation that was. I mean, if cigarettes made me feel something, weed made me feel like a completely different person. Like, my depression, my sadness, my teen angst, whatever you want to call it, just went away. 
was replaced by giddiness, by a sense of happiness and joy. I mean, obviously it was manufactured. And then booze followed not too long after that. And um, I definitely developed a drinking problem from pretty early age. But it wasn't really until my 20s that I would consider my alcoholism started. And eventually pills. Pills have been, you know, a very easy way to escape unnoticed. You could walk around with pills in your pocket and you don't have to smoke them, you don't have to drink them, you just toss them back. You you could do it when no one's looking and alter your life, alter your feelings. But it's only for a time. You are only pushing off the feelings. And that's one thing that I've learned pretty much as fairly middle-aged person now. Um, I always think about that phrase, sweeping things under the rug. Well, when you sweep things under the rug, eventually, you can have a really fucking lumpy rug. And you need to deal with that shit at some point. And starting in my teens... Sex and love addiction became new things in my repertoire, new things to focus my attention on, to make me feel better. Maybe that's just the story of being a human being. You know, there are so many people who say, and people who actually write into me, who say things like, Depression is fake. Mental health is stupid. You know, there are lines of thinking that it's all just trauma. It's all just being a human being. And if that's the case, why aren't more people focusing seriously on it? It happens to everybody. Why isn't everybody in therapy? So do you know, these were all things that I just looked at as me trying to fill an unfillable void inside me. I'm never satisfied. I don't think I've ever been satisfied. I'll love something intensely for five minutes and then need something new to replace that high immediately. For years, my phone has been my biggest addiction. I mean... This little box or rectangle that I carry with me every day has an entire universe of distractions. But the thing is, the things we use to feel better become problems all their own. And then you have like a drug problem problem with gambling, a problem with spending too much money on things you don't need, a problem with 
substance abuse and sex addiction and all of the things I just mentioned. And these things can rule your life. But you know what? The things that you were trying to escape from, they're still there. And they're getting worse. Especially when it comes to your mental health. All of this stuff, I believe, builds up to the stuff you suffer from as you get older. And knowing that a lot of these things, or most of these things that I've been suffering with over my entire life, or at the very least my adult life, are part and parcel of bipolar disorder. That has helped me immensely. Just the mere fact that my inability to complete tasks is a hallmark of bipolar makes me feel very differently towards my disappointment over the years of never being able to finish a novel. When I was 14, not only did I start smoking, but I started writing, and those two, and drinking, go hand in hand. They are very compatible lovers and I would write and never ever ever be able to finish I have at least 10 unfinished novels things that I've written large chunks of that I was so in love with at a certain point that I just abandoned These are my children. These are my disappointed children who always look up at me and go, Daddy, when are you going to feed us? We can't grow unless you feed us. But when I started reading up on bipolar and I saw that lack of focus and ability to complete tasks... Not to mention the anxiety that that causes and or triggers and the depression that that triggers. To find out that these things are all part of the same mental illness was a godsend. Because it was something that I could hang my hat on and say, I can work on this. I can actually try to fix my life. And so, I decided, finally, to do just that. I had stopped self-medicating myself. Self-medicating myself, obviously, it's myself. I had stopped abusing booze and weed and pills had started actually sitting with my issues, my problems, the things I'd done, the mistakes I'd made, the people I'd fucked over, the people I'd hurt, and actually work on it, change, and try to be a better person. And that's not to say that being bipolar is my golden ticket out of any shit I get myself in. I do have self-control. It's just very hard for me. It's very hard for me to avoid temptation. 
the desire to do things that the rational part of my mind just knows are not good and will definitely have ramifications that will negatively impact my life and often the lives of others and even my health, my physical health. The desire can be so overwhelming that I just do the thing anyway. To feel the high, the momentary boost of endorphins, the validation, whatever it is I'm needing at the time. And then there's irritability, another hallmark of bipolar. And I am such a miserable bastard sometimes. Beyond being a sad bastard. I have experienced irritability almost every day of my life. I have an extremely short fuse and just about anything can set me off. If I'm walking down the street, for instance, like New York, where I grew up, extremely busy city, but I was raised knowing that you walk on your right, and if somebody, some motherfucker, is walking on my side of the pavement, I will fucking lose it. clearly remember this one time I was walking in uh, the East Village and it was very crowded and the people walking the other direction were just completely crowding the sidewalk. Like the direction I was going was like somehow unpopular at that time. But there was this one guy who just was walking, you know, on my side trying to get past this group of people or whatever, which is very casually, like, I'm just walking here. And he saw me coming, but he didn't stop, and we literally collided, and I'm a pretty big guy, and I won that fight. I mean, literally, I knocked the guy down. And he gets up, and he's just like, you asshole. And I just turned back, and I was like, fuck you. You know, now... Again, I know what I did wasn't right, but fuck that guy. What he was doing wasn't right. To quote one of my favorite films, The Big Lebowski, this isn't nom, Smokey. There are rules. Almost anything can throw me into a tailspin of irrational behavior. I remember hearing years ago that anger can be a symptom of depression, but I had no idea how many other things were related, all under the bipolar umbrella. Like, the exact opposite of anger, being so manic that I'm on top of the world with grandiose ideas that I just can't shut up about. I mean, literally, I will get up in the morning excited about something and will need to talk to somebody and just soliloquize for like 15-20 minutes and just feel like I know the answer to everything and then that'll pass and I'll realize how I know nothing 
and quite often with a manic phase, it's followed by a depressive phase. It's followed by you just being like, that'll never work. What am I thinking? I'm just a piece of shit. I'm not gonna do anything with my life. <laughs> Nothing like that, at least. And that cycle goes on and on and on. But it was my substance abuse problems that really led me to seek treatment. known that there was some underlying thing, some underlying cause, a chemical imbalance, whatever you want to call it, going on in my head that I was self-medicating for. And so I had been in therapy, in talk therapy, for about six years. And, um, for some reason, I never really considered going on medication, like regular prescribed medication, which, yes, I know you can get just as addicted to prescription medication, but at the very least, where it starts from is a place of help. And where I started, and this was January of last year, was with my primary care doctor. I had gone in, I think this was even my first meeting with her, and I was talking about my health, you know, and my, my life, and all that as, as you do with a, with a new doctor. And I was talking about my anxiety and depression. That's all I thought I suffered from at the time. And I asked her if she, if she could prescribe me something, because I didn't think of a primary care doctor as somebody who can prescribe mental health medication. And sure enough, she said, you know, she can prescribe, she just can't diagnose. And basically, she was like, well, what do you want? And I had heard of Prozac. Obviously, everybody knows Prozac. Um, it's one of those things that's, you know, it's been in pop culture. If you watch The Sopranos, you know that Tony Soprano was put on Prozac. And that was such a taboo thing. And that's sort of one of the reasons why I have become such an advocate for talking openly about mental health, is this taboo around it. It's getting a little better nowadays, and I just want to be a part of the people who are helping it be a lot better, a lot less taboo to speak of, and to make therapy a lot more appealing and um, understandable to the people who need it, especially to the people who believe that they don't need it. Quite often I think those people need it more than the people who know they need it do. And this journey of mine towards uh, being a mental health advocate started 
like a few days after I started uh, going on Prozac. I remember I went on Instagram and um, posted a meme. It was of Nick Cave. It was just um, just a silly meme. But the caption underneath, I said, started taking Prozac for depression and anxiety. If any of you take it or have taken it, I'd love to hear your stories. And hear their stories I did. I mean, good, bad, ugly, you know, taking medication is terrible. Prozac killed my libido, which it ended up doing to mine, and that's basically the only thing Prozac did for me. But something very important started that day. I began to open myself up like I never had before. After years of feeling unlovable, like no one really cared about me, everyone who spent time with me didn't really like me, that I was bad and the things I liked were stupid. All trauma-based responses going back to childhood and self-defense mechanisms that I allowed just to limit me and my potential, especially my potential joy. But after all that, after starting to talk about myself and just say, hey world, this is me, I began to feel comfortable being me, I began to grow, to change, best of all, to feel confident, and self-confidence was always an issue for me. very easy for me to be open and honest and frank and confident online, you know, and first it was anonymous, and I remember feeling a lot of joy about the reactions I get from that, but then, you know, it started coming out in my regular life, I started feeling good about myself, but above all, I started feeling like I could advocate for myself, but the more open and honest I was on my pages about my life and my feelings, the more people flocked to my pages. The memes I made began to address mental health quite often after that, subjects like depression and anxiety panic attacks, social anxiety, isolation, avoiding responsibility, making bad decisions, all things that I later found are hallmarks of bipolar disorder. All of these became the norm, and I was completely blown away by the positive responses I was getting. Not just likes and followers, but the comments. And the best comment of all that I can ever get is feel seen. Feeling seen to me is the greatest feeling there is. My experiences, my emotions, all of these things are instantly validated when I feel seen. When someone connects with something I put out there on a deep level, it only makes me want to go deeper. And that is what eventually led to me starting doing the Q&As on the Instagram stories. Compared to the feed, 
hardly anyone watches stories. It's just like they're the things at the top of the page and it's like whatever. Most people just post silly shit up there anyway. You know, the grid is the only thing most people go to Instagram for. And so the viewership of my stories and compared to the hundreds of thousands of followers I have, it's nothing. It's like maybe, maybe 5% of that, if not like 2 or 3%. And yet these stories have become my absolute favorite part of running these pages. I've connected with my audience far more than I ever have. Talk about feeling seen. In some ways, I've been seeing myself for the first time doing these stories. When I reply to the submissions and take videos, I'm looking at myself, looking me right in the eyes, and I'm telling people things about myself in relation to the questions that they ask or the comments that they make. And I'm telling myself things I know I need to do, ways I know I need to grow and change. Sometimes admitting hard truths to yourself is far harder than telling anybody else. There have been things I've known in my heart I've had to face up to, and literally facing myself every day has made that possible. And one of the hardest truths that I've had to face was knowing that I needed help. Or a lot more help than I was getting. And somehow helping others through the stories helped me more than I could have ever imagined. And they've helped me through some incredibly hard times over this past year especially when it comes to the nightmare that is adjusting to medications, or as often as the case, not adjusting to them. When I met with a med management doctor back in April and got my diagnosis, I was put on Lamictal, a mood stabilizer that is also an anti-seizure medication, which I find really interesting. I mean, how are those two related? And it worked really well for the first few months. My highs were lowered, my lows were hired, and it seemed to work. It seemed to be the answer I was looking for. But a couple of months passed, certain life changes happened, and I fell into the deepest depression I had ever been in in my life. And so we decided, my doctor and I, to add Wellbutrin to it, an antidepressant that works on dopamine. But one of the things with bipolar disorder is if you add an antidepressant to the mix, you're quite often inviting trouble. And the trouble came with my anxiety coming back like never before. So after giving it a couple of weeks for my body to adjust to it, which you have to do with almost every medication that isn't like a tranquilizer that works immediately, I was erratic as fuck and panicky, all on top of the deep depression, which was only getting worse. So we stopped the Wellbutrin. And I was put on an antipsychotic on top of the mood stabilizer, which <laughs> one of the most fucked up things about the 
pick up my uh, my first prescription of this antipsychotic called Latuda. The girl behind the counter says, do you have a coupon for this by any chance? And I'm like, why? She goes, oh, well, it's 200 bucks. Now, right now, because I have a day job which offers great insurance, and that's the fucked up thing about the United States is you can end up tied to a job you hate just because of medical insurance because they cover most of the insane cost. Well, this good insurance plan that I have happens to have high deductible and then everything else is gratis after that. So I go on my phone and I look at the uh, at the app for the insurance company that I don't want to name because, you know, who the fuck knows? <laughs> I don't want to get sued. And I see that one month's supply of this antipsychotic is $1,500. Now that's nearly a month's rent. I mean, what happens when I go off of this great insurance? If I get insurance that isn't as good. So I talked to my doctor a few days later and I told her about this. And he told me, okay, well, stop it. We can try something else. But what we decided on was Xanax. And Xanax is something that I've abused in the past. But it's interesting to now take it as part of my daily regimen. And so far, so good. Because not only does it handle anxiety, but because it has those sort of feel-good aspects, it helps my depression. And I do understand the risks. I do know what I'm getting myself into. But, again, I need to be an advocate for myself. I'm the only person who knows what I'm feeling on the inside. And this stuff makes me feel better. For how long? I don't know. But that's the process. Mental health medication is all trial and error. And it takes a very long time for you to figure out what works for you exactly. There's this um, saying that I've come to um, embrace. Mental health disorders are not death sentences, but they are life sentences. You will be dealing with this stuff for the rest of your life, and one of the most important things you can do is accept it. Embrace it as part of you, the beautiful, fucked up human being you are. with it and combat it as best as you can but the most important part is that word try you have to try you have to want to make yourself better and not just sit and wallow and say oh 
I wish there was something I could do, but not do anything. So Juno, thank you for your question. And there's so much more that I could say on that topic, but there will be so many more episodes too. So for now, I'm going to wrap this one up. I encourage you all to follow this podcast on whatever platform it is that you're listening to and rate, review, and share. And also follow my Instagram accounts if you don't already. Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, Sad Peaks, and most recently Don Drooper, the Sad Bastard Pod. I'll be back next week. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Taking me down, my friend As they usher me off to my end Well, I bid you adieu well, I'll be seeing you soon What they say around here is true Then we'll meet again Me and